Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, I'm Arden Marine from Insatiable and the Will You Accept This Rose podcast. And I'm Julianne Robinson, an Emmy-nominated director of Bridgerton. And we are the hosts of Lady of the Road, a funny and inspiring podcast where we have conversations with influential women about their lives and we get self-help advice. Because we are always looking to improve ourselves. True story. We talk about money, health, relationships, you name it, from inspiring women like Joan Jett, Nicole Byer, Lauren Lapkus, Retta, and more. Listen and subscribe to Lady of the Road on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Conquer your New Year's resolutions with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, you'll learn how to make the most of your time with practical tools to help you feel less busy and get more done. Listen to Before Breakfast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Christina Hutchinson. And Corinne Fisher. We're thrilled to announce that our show, Guys We F*** the anti-slut-shaming podcast is returning to wide release. That's right. Every Friday, we talk to one of our favorite comedians or an expert in the field of sexuality, love, and relationships. To hear what all the f***s are about, subscribe now. And listen to the Luminary original podcast, Guys We F*** starting January 21st on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is David Denman, and I played Roy Anderson on The Office. Well, hello, friends. Welcome once again to another episode of The Office Deep Dive. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner, and today I am so excited about this. Our guest today, as you know, played, well, I'd call him iconic an iconic character on The Office. 
He dated everyone's favorite receptionist. He vandalized a bar and he threw some punches. Or he would have, if not for Dwight's pepper spray. If you catch my meaning, you know I am bringing on the incredible David Denman today, a.k.a. Roy Anderson. Now, David currently is on one of my favorite shows, HBO's Mayor of Easttown. But before that, he spent many years playing an ordinary guy just working in a warehouse. He really has a unique perspective on The Office, right? Because his character was on and off the show for all nine years, and he went through quite a journey during that time. Today, we're going to talk about that as well as Roy's standout moments, his wedding, the booze cruise, and much, much more. We're also going to bring up some big questions for David. Was Roy a sympathetic character? Do we think he cheated on Pam? And most importantly, what was in his trash bag from the pilot? It's a good question, right? So join me today in welcoming half of Pam and Roy, or Poi, as no one has called them ever, David Denman. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. David! What's happening, brother? What is going on? Oh my God, it's been so long. How are you? I'm good. And I was, we were just trying to figure out last time I saw you, I think was at your wedding, but I don't remember when that was. Was 10 years ago? Oh my gosh, that is just so, that's just disgustingly too long. (laughs) It's all right. Oh my God. All right. Well, we are, we're going to get in to a lot, but I want to start back. At the beginning, you're from California, but you end up getting accepted and go to Juilliard, which basically what that means to me is you knew what you wanted to do pretty early. Is that true? hundred percent. Yeah. No, I knew I wanted to be an actor since I was a kid. I remember um, I went and saw that movie, The Black Stallion, when I was a kid, and I must have been sure six when it came out, I think. And uh, my dad took me. I never forget it. And I remember going, I want to be that kid. And it was the ongoing joke in the family, like, David, you're not going to be a jockey. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and then uh, shortly after that, E.T. came out and I was like, I want to do what that guy's doing. And uh, my family was just like, what? We have no idea what to do with you. And so, uh, yeah, I knew from a young age, there were all these pictures of me dressing up in costumes, running around and, you know, playing pretend. Me too. Did you have any family connection? I mean, being from California, did you have any family connection to the business or anything? No, nothing at all. No, my dad was a draftsman and my mom, my mom worked like as a receptionist, basically. I had no connection whatsoever. I actually didn't even hear of Juilliard until um, I was in high school. And I remember there was a kid named Michael Hisedorf and he was like a real actor. I grew up in Orange County, which is about an hour from LA. And he would go up and do commercials and do bit parts and movies and stuff. And so, you know, I was like, oh, wow, you're really doing it. And, uh, and he was like, well, I'm going to go to, I'm, I'm going to apply and try to go to Juilliard. And I said, what, what is that? He goes, oh, it's an acting school. And I was like, there's schools for acting. I mean, it was that naive. <laughs> he was like, yeah, 
dude, the Robin Williams, Kevin Klein. I was like, what? They went there? He's like, yeah. I was like blown away. And then I went, because I was a terrible student and I knew I wasn't going to go to college. No one in my family had gone to college. And then I, you know, went down the rabbit hole of like, wait a minute, I can go to school for acting. And so a friend of mine went to the American Conservatory Theater. They had a summer mm-hmm. training congress the summer before my senior year. He was a year ahead of me, a guy named Craig Brewer, who went on to be a writer director of uh, Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan and Dolomite is my name. Right. Another one. Anyway, he's been very successful, but he was an actor when we were in school and he went. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go there. So my whole senior year was all about going to ACT summer program. And then once I did that, I wanted to go to the, you know, the grad program, but they wouldn't let you in. And for two years, you had to have two years of college. So I went to junior college for two years and I was like, I'm going to do as many plays as I can do here. And I'll do, you know, take some classes and, and then I'll apply for ACT. And then I figured, well, I'm applying there. I might as well apply to all these other schools that I want to go to. And Juilliard was at the top of the list and and NYU and Harvard had a program. And so I went up and auditioned for Juilliard and Harvard the same weekend. They did it like in San Francisco. And then that Monday I got a call from Juilliard saying, Hey, we'd like to offer you a spot. And that was like my top choice. So I was like, what? Yeah, of course. So I didn't even do the other auditions. And that's awesome. Uh, I ended up getting, uh, getting into the Harvard program as well. And I was like, thanks guys, but I'm, I'm going to go here instead. And they're like, good for you. Have fun. <laughs> oh, that's, so, yeah. that's incredible. So you moved to New York. I did. Yeah. Moved to New York in 93. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, like I said, no one in my family went to college. So my idea of college was Dead Poet Society. I was like, I didn't know what New York City was like or what a campus was going to be like. And I walk into Lincoln Center and I'm like, oh, well, this is interesting. I mean, this is all before the internet where you could just look everything up. This is before <laughs> right. it's like, here's a pamphlet. Here's a couple of pictures yeah. of what our, the inside of our school looks like. But like, you have no <laughs> idea. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely not Dead Poet Society. There was no <laughs> beautiful, uh, what was that, Princeton, I think they shot that or something. Yeah. Beautiful campus, right. At this point, were you interested in film and television? I mean, you referenced your friend who was going and doing commercials and stuff, or or for you, was it was it theater? You know, I it was theater was was everything. I mean, I kind of like I remember when I was in junior college and having a conversation with a buddy of mine, this guy Todd Kolzak, who we were doing uh Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Just a terrific sure. and I was like, Yeah, I just want to do theater and stuff. He's like what are you talking about, dude? Why don't you go try to do film and TV? Like, I don't know. I don't know. And I remember one of my teachers, I was like reading this play and he was like, what are you, what are you reading? And I'm like, oh, it's this new play. It just came out in New York. And he goes, oh, okay. You need to read more books. I go, what do you mean? He goes, why are you reading a play that somebody else already did? Why don't you read a book so you can do the, the original version of it, you know, and some movie or something. And I was like, wow, I think these people have a lot more faith in me than I have in myself. <laughs> and and, you know, and those those conversations did start sparking like, well, maybe I'll go and give it a shot. And um, and then I went to New York, went to school, which was a grind. And I saw all these really talented people come out and just get beat up. And I went and did a, a summer Shakespeare festival in Utah. And there was a guy who had come out of another grad program a few years before us. And he had spent, I don't know, five, 10 years out of grad school doing theater. And he was just then 
going to go to LA and try to break in. And he was so impassioned about it. He was like, don't wait, don't wait. I go, what? He goes, there's one time when you come out of school where they're all interested in you. I wish I would have capitalized on it when I had the shot and I didn't. And now I'm starting from the ground up again. And it's, it's going to be brutal. And if you get out of school and there's interest, get on a plane and go to LA. And so that was like the summer before my senior year. And so my buddy who would, who was also at Utah, who was at graduating from Yale School of Drama, he had already done the New York thing before he went to, before he went to um, Yale. And so he was like, I'm going to LA. We should go together. And I'm like, you're crazy. What are you, what are you talking about? And I had family you know, in Orange County, so it wasn't like that crazy to do. But I just thought I would at least spend a, a year in New York and like capitalize on all those theater connections and right. try to do some regional theater. And, and then I did one play right when I graduated in like uh, Shakespeare by the Sea, I think it was. Shakespeare on the, by the okay. Sound? I don't even know. It's up in Real Wheaton, Connecticut. We did so many of these same summer things, by the way. It's, yeah. uh, that's actually, which we've never talked about. But anyway, you did yeah. one show. I did one show. I was making like 250 bucks a week. I couldn't even pay my rent. It was like. <laughs> that was good. I was good. I was like, oh, I was so excited to get that job finally. And I was like, this is terrible. This is not going to, this is not going to work. And so I remember July 15th, my buddy was like, Hey, I've got to go to this wedding up in Oregon. You want to take a road trip? And I hadn't been home uh, in over a year. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to come back and uh, let's take that road trip. So I came back. Luckily I had an agent that had a West coast office. Okay. Come to find out afterwards that that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that she had a she had a meeting with me and was like, hey, yeah, if you ever feel like coming out to LA, just let me know. She was like the owner of the company, and uh, I was like, yeah, no, seriously, I'm 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 probably going to do that. And she was like, oh, okay, but she <laughs> she told me later that she was like, you know what, we just say that to everybody when we're signing them, but like <laughs> we work as two separate offices. Like if you didn't get anything, I would have sent you back. And uh, I was right. like, really? She's like, well, that's just such a lie. She's like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Again, this is like before digital and not yeah. only text, but even email. I mean, this is like right when oh, email is starting. I had and a pager, man. I had a pager. That's you had a pager. Exactly. I'd, I'd get a pager to say, hey, you got an audition. Call the pager number back and be like, what, what is it? And then I had to go to the office to print out the sides and print out the right. appointment sheet. But anyway, I long story short, I came in and I booked my first audition which was for ER. And at the time that was like the number one show on TV. And my agent was like, mm, you should consider staying. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, all right. And my buddy was already here and he wanted to stay. He was like, let's get an apartment. So we got an apartment and I never went back. I mean, I went back, wow. God, 20 years later to work, but never, you know, to go live. You were LA based. I was LA based yeah. immediately. Yeah. Within couple of months of graduating from school so and then so you get this role on er and so things were just really easy from then on out right i mean you just it just <laughs> you just <didn't... laughs> yeah exactly it's just you never stop working no it was uh, uh it was a good first year and then a good second year i got a, that movie the replacements about a year after i graduated and that was the one that was the big shocker when i'm doing that movie and it's a you know one of those big studio films and you think, oh, this is the life. This is, I'm just going right. to leave this set and I'm going to go to the next one and then the next one and I'm on my way. And then I didn't work for a year. And I was like, oh no, this is, this is not going to, this is really going to be tough. 
but you know, you get little gigs here and there, a couple of little guest stars on TV shows and, you know, a voiceover, a, a commercial that, right. you know, you know, it's just like you, someone told me a long time ago, you're like juggling, you know, all these different aspects of your career and, uh, you got to have all of them going and because when one of them's down, the other one hopefully is up and uh, you just got to keep juggling them until something happens. Right. So I got lucky. Yeah. I, you know, I was grateful. So this British show called the office comes out with Ricky Gervais. Now, did you watch the show when it first came up available? So I had a buddy of mine from New York who we did to talk with theater festival. <laughs> Another mm-hmm. summer stock. He called me and was like, David, you've got to watch the show. It's right up your alley. It's hilarious. And I hear they're doing an American version of it. You've got to get on it. And I was like, okay. And he never does that. He never did that with any, he's never done it since. So <laughs> and you I, were like, done. Okay. I'll yeah, just get on it. I was it. like, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a call. And um, I did watch it. I was like, oh my God, this is genius. And I called my agent immediately. And my agent said, do you want to do that? And I go, what? They go, well, they're just looking for like improv comedians. And I go, I did improv at Juilliard. What, what do you talk? Just because I didn't go to UCB or whatever doesn't mean I don't, I can't do that or don't want to do that. And right. in his defense, at that point, that was like the third incarnation of a British TV comedy that was somewhat successful that they had brought over and they've bombed over and over and over again. And so he was just like, ah, oh, here, it's going to be another one of those. And uh, I said, just get me an appointment. And at that point, they'd already cast John and Jenna and all those guys. They were, and so he called me back and he goes, oh, they're, they're, they have the part of Roy. Would you want to go in for that? It's a guest star. And I said, yeah, yeah, get me in. So I went in and gave my audition for all those guys, and which people right. can see on the internet. <laughs> and they called back and gave me the job. So, you know, I've, I'd done a, a bunch of movies at that point, a bunch of TV, but without a doubt, that's the thing that everything just shifted. It's like you get on the number one show, even though it wasn't number one right away. It took a long time, but you get on a show that everyone's talking about it, and all of a sudden doors open up and opportunities and talk about that big break. It's like I had a lot of breaks along the way to get me there. Sure. And luckily I had more breaks afterwards, you know, like you, you got. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like a recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. 
This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. You know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You keep getting those breaks. Someone's got to smile on you somewhere to to keep it going because it doesn't doesn't just keep happening, you know? Right. Had you done much comedy at all or no? I'd done comedic movies and all dramatic television. Okay. That was the irony. The second I did The Office, all of a sudden, everybody wanted you to come do comedy. And I was like, <laughs> great, I'm happy to do it. And then the thing, it drove me crazy. And I don't, I don't know if it happened to you too, but I'm sure it did. I would walk into these auditions and they would go, hey, just improv it like they do in The Office. Right. And I would go, no, 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 no. I'm on The <laughs> Office, so I can tell you for a fact, this isn't all improv. There's actually really amazing writers that are writing all these jokes <laughs> and they're throwing them at us. And you know what? They're even adding more jokes to it when we do another take. This isn't all just our genius that made that show work. Hello, guys. Like, I'm happy right. to do that for you, but <laughs> if you want me to write your show, like, that's a different job title. <laughs> I'm happy to I'm perform happy to it, do but, that. Yeah. but it's, but don't, don't say like they do in the office. There was improv for sure, but the majority of that was scripted and right. really well scripted. It's a hard time for hiring. 
So you need a hiring partner built for hard times. That's Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our heart radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangsta Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. When you started working on the show, so you you had seen the British version, you were a fan of that, and we start working on the pilot. What were your first impressions, either with working with people or or on how things went during that pilot shoot? Because you had well way more experience than me, but more experience than a lot of the the folks, right? So h- how was it to you? What were your first impressions? Well, you know, I think I only have like that one scene in the pilot. I come mm-hmm. in with a trash bag, which you don't know what is in that trash bag, whether it's a human head or something. <laughs> right. It was just for some reason, the timing wasn't working. Something was off. And I remember Ken Quapis was like, hey, let's take a break. And we went downstairs. And of course, I was panicking. and like, what, ha- what happened? What did I do? You know? And John right. was like, no, man, they're doing this all the time. They're like, they're, we're constantly taking breaks to just clear the air and then come back at it. And I think a big part of that was because, you know, we had a, those of us who had seen the show, it's hard not to have that impression 
you know, and when you start imitating somebody else, you know, as well as I do, you're in trouble because you're right. never going to do it as good as the person who did it originally. Um, so you've got to do your own thing and you got to find your own voice in it. So I don't know if that had something to do with it or what, or it just happened to be, you know, Hey, let's just shake it up. And, uh, so we went downstairs, came back up and did like one more take and he was like, great, we got it. And I was like, Oh, Oh, that was easy. And then it was, you know, a year later before we started Anything filming. Else. You know, right. it was like we had to wait to get picked up and then wait and wait. It was like, actually, no, we shot that stuff. It was in the fall. It was a year later that it aired. It wasn't until like yeah. April or whatever that we found out how the show would turn out. Right. Jenna had a conversation with me about backstory. She had a journal about your relationship. I mean, the relationship between Pam and Roy and her history. Did you work with her on your initial backstory or were you, were you involved with that at all? Uh, I was receptive to her ideas. It was her show more than it was my show. I was just a guest star on it, but we did talk about it. You know, we, it, 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 with all of those things, it's so important to create a backstory, but yeah, we did have to go, how long have we been together? And you know, when did we start dating and how did it, you know, we did, we did share those conversations and I don't know that too much of what I said shifted anything. I, I was just more amenable to her ideas. You know, I was like, yeah, I think that's probably right. I think they probably kind of fell into this thing and then they kind of got into a rut and just kept going along. And, you know, clearly they weren't happy in the relationship or at least Roy wasn't happy enough to propose. And then, you know, the nice, the fun thing about that show was those talking heads where you, you could hear a character's inner thoughts, you know, and so often in television, you're not, the characters don't evolve. They want the same thing right. every week and they want to see that dynamic and how it plays out, but they don't see a character make a shift or a change. And so I was lucky enough to have this like, oh no, Roy's going to lose her, try to win her back. And it was like this different character to play in season three. And that was really fun to do. And, and then when I found out that he didn't ever really truly evolve, by the end of it, you were like, oh, no, the old Roy's back. And then they, <laughs> they, you know, they, they nicely gave me a great little send off in the you know, final season of, of the evolved Roy or whatever, which was cool. Right. You talk about how trying to imitate somebody else's performance, right? So it was Lee in the British version. Did you feel like pretty quickly, you know, the character of Roy evolved from that original British version or became more tied to you and your sensibilities? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, there's also that British the reserve, you know, like that guy could be just stoic and just kind of, yeah, kind of just be like, yeah, yeah yes. no, uh, uh, and didn't say much that, that Lee character was kind of like that. And, uh, and they gave me more to, more things to do, more funnier things to say and be a more of a meathead, right. you know, and, you know, I went to high school with a bunch of meatheads uh, and a lot of them I didn't like. So this was my opportunity to make fun of them. I got to carry that with me for the rest of my life, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, I, I they did, they did right. write to that. I think also the whole show just sort of evolved after those first six episodes, it, beca- it got its own voice when they didn't have those scripts to, to go to and, and they had to write for us and they did, you know? I mean, I'm sure you're at least aware, you know, that there has been a lot of sympathy toward Roy actually <laughs> and his plight, you know, for a long time. What, what what would you call it? emotional cheating that she wanted to be with someone else? My question is, is that, was that a conscious decision? I mean, I guess talk a little bit about the importance of bringing that humanity to Roy, which gave him a 
depth that maybe on other shows wouldn't have existed. Well, uh, I, I got to say, you know, that was Greg Daniels. We had a conversation between season two and three, and he uh, said, I want to make Roy more of a rival to Jim. And I said, I don't know how we're going to do that because he's a he's pretty much a meathead and we've pretty much painted him into a corner <laughs> that I don't know how anyone would ever want to be with this guy. And he laughed and said, well, I think we can. And I know that you can as an actor and uh, we're going to write towards it. We're going to try to make it happen. And uh, And I said, look, in my opinion, the only way that there's a chance at that is if Roy is able to realize he's screwed up and try to make amends or make it better somehow. And then you might have a shot of rooting for him. Unless he does that, I don't know how you can because he's so thick-headed. And he said, yeah, I agree, to, I agree with that. And, I, and that's what I was thinking. And I said, okay, cool. And then we had it like in the season three, like first episode, there's a talking head of the wedding has been called off. And, and he just has this one moment where he says, I got a winner back. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a conscious effort. Of yeah, you know, this guy was—you don't realize how much you miss something until they're gone. And uh, but at the same token, like I don't necessarily know that they were the right match for each other. I think it's also like you're going to lose that thing, and so you don't want to lose it. And so, right, you know, he was definitely in the doghouse trying to trying to win her back. And you know, there were moments that they got to where you're like, oh, maybe this is going to happen. Like maybe they'll push it off for another couple seasons of them getting together. But no, it was the season three arc. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's funny. I always say like, because <laughs> early on, man, I get a lot of hate on, on social media. You're such a jerk. I hate you. But I would always say, just please, everyone, don't ever forget that Pam cheated on Roy. Like he may have been a numbskull right. and not a great boyfriend, <laughs> but come on, like Roy isn't the guy that was doing that. Do you think Roy never cheated? I, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I never thought about it, but I never did on camera. You never did on camera. That's so right. We don't know what that character did. <laughs> I think Roy probably cheated That's on right. her early on in their relationship. I would bet. I would guess. He just treated her so poorly. Right. Yeah. He didn't really have much respect for her. And I think it was probably when she called it off that all of a sudden he did have respect for her. And then it was like, oh, okay. Right. So in booze cruise, I mean, it occurs to me as you're talking that it feels like really about you sensing something between Jim and Pam and just wanting to stop it as opposed to really wanting to be with her. Is that, is that how you viewed it? Did you talk to Greg about it at all? No, I didn't. We didn't talk about it, but it felt that way. And when we shot it and that right. it was a rivalry, it was also uh, I have to do this, you know, and you saw them flirting with each other and just blurted it out. So, yeah, we didn't really talk about it, but yeah, I think that's fair to say that he was more interested in shutting that down than really being so madly in love with Pam. I don't think that that was the case. Right. And also he had quite a few drinks, you know, and was like festive and like, <laughs> all right, let's just do this thing, you know, like. Let's just do it. We could deal with the ramifications later. I'm sure he woke up the next morning and was like, oh no, we did. so. Oh, boy, what did we do? <laughs> um there's fan theories do you think roy ever cheated on pam with angela no, definitely did not you know i don't even think he knew angela's name i i really don't i don't think i don't right. think he was it was that invested but i i, I haven't watched them back since okay. we originally did them so maybe there's a lot more in there that they edited yeah in. 
Well, but there's also a fan theory that Kevin is a secret genius who embezzled millions of dollars from Dunder Mifflin and, and <laughs> he knew what was going on the whole time. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous (laughs) of your generation that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. 
And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Time. So those are fun theories. It's certainly possible that, that they know more than I do. I do have to ask you about this. It has become, I guess, one of my favorite stories in life. But right around this time, mid-season two, Steve gets nominated for a Golden Globe Award. And do you remember that we met at my house and you drove us to, you drove a group of us to the Beverly Hilton in, my recollection is a Honda Civic. And we showed up like the Beverly Hillbillies to the Beverly Hilton for the Golden Globes where we were on the rooftop, not allowed in the actual room. And we drove up and they were like, you morons, like there's no valet. This is a red carpet and we're not taking your car. And you were like, no problem, guys, I'll go park. And you like had to park miles away and walk back. Do you remember this story? I, I swear to you, I do not. Oh, my God. But I'm not surprised. That is an awful answer. I don't. I wish I, I wish I remembered that. I remembered us being upstairs at that party, having quite a few drinks. And when, when Steve won, like it was like we won the Super Bowl. Like so pumped and so excited for him and the show. But now that you're saying it, I'm putting it all together, like literally right now. And I do remember being at your house. <laughs> I you don't drove. remember. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I did. And I had, <laughs> God, I had an old beat up Honda. It was a Honda Civic. Was it a Cord? Okay. A maybe it was a Cord. Civic or a whole Cord. Okay. It was a four door. It was old and beat up though. I mean, it was my old agent's old car. My car broke down and I needed a car. <laughs> I said, can I, can I, can I buy your car? And she was like, uh, okay. Yeah. Just, uh, just pay me back when you can. I'm like, well, I need a job. And she was like, okay. Like she, I was driving her car around for a couple of months before I had enough money to pay it off. It was only like 2,500 bucks or something, right. but it was like, it was an old beat up car. So we pulled up like along the side of Wilshire Boulevard and you were like, yeah. you guys get out. I'll, I'll go park. Who all was in the car with us? Oscar and Angela, at least I can't fully remember that's amazing it's become one of my favorite memories of the time and um that line i wish we knew we were in the good old days while they were happening because that for oh, me yeah. it just kind of just the purity of that no limo yeah. Re- yeah. no red carpet i don't even know that we were invited on the red carpet we may have kind of walked through and people were like who are they don't you're not oh, allowed yeah, in the no, room nobody knew we were I was surprised that we even got the invite to the NBC party on the roof. <laughs> That's but, about right. You know, but so many of those parties, like early on, shortly after that, we did get like yes cars to go to like the SAG Awards and yes. things like that. Right? Yes. No. Yes, we did. I don't remember ever driving to another one of those parties. No, that was it. That was it. I think that was yeah. it. I do remember we went to the SAG Awards. I think it was the year later, maybe. And we partied so hard. It was like we thought that that party was for us, like that open bar. We were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And everyone's looking at us like, oh, my God, you guys. And we're dancing. We took over the the, 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 the like dance the, floor. The dance floor. And, like, it was so much fun. And now when I go to those parties, I always see those, like, first-year shows. 
and those kids doing the same thing. I'm not doing that anymore because now I know it's a work party. <laughs> Have a drink, say hello to everybody, and you know, and keep your head down. But like, yeah, that innocence of us was pretty palpable, and everyone, everyone was smiling and having a good time with us. Yeah. On the latest season of the Next Question with Katie Couric podcast, Katie dives into, well, Katie. Hear exclusive podcast-only conversations between Katie and the people who made her memoir, Going There, possible. We spent a lot of time together uh, around a dining room table here and in the city and you know, it it was a very intense experience. All episodes of Next Question with Katie Couric are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If I could be you. And you could be me for just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What was it like coming back to the show when you would be gone for a bit and then you would come back? Well, those early days, because I wasn't in every episode, you guys were so stir crazy, like stuck in that room, with the same faces to look at for 12 hours a day, all day long. So when I would come in, you guys were so like, hey, David, oh my God, there's another person here. And you guys were so excited to see me. It was so much fun. Um, it was It was hilarious. Yeah, you know, that show evolved over time and everybody's evolved with it and everyone's kind of star broke out in different ways and different things. And it was a different show. It was a different show those later years. Everyone was still very nice, but you were there. (laughs) We weren't driving to an award ceremony in your beat up Honda Civic Accord. Everyone, yeah, I remember that like, what was it, season three, all of a sudden everyone pulls up in new cars and you're like, (laughs) it was like, oh, all right, I guess everybody... The show's going to be around a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any conversations with Greg when you agreed to come back with your new fiance uh, and you invite Jim and Pam to your wedding? Did you have any conversations with Greg about what you wanted in terms of resolution to the character? No, that was all them. I mean, I, I did come to find out like that John was always sort of pitching to try to get me around, uh, Mm-hmm. stir up some of that conflict that they had in those early years. That was fun stuff for us to play. But no, I mean, you know, there was, I did that one episode in five and then, and then they brought me in for the threat level midnight or something. Threat level midnight. Yes. And, uh, and they cut me out of that episode. So I'm only in the extras of that. And then they called me. That was the crazy one was that 
Jim and Pam's wedding. They called me with that crazy pitch that now is out there. I was shooting a movie up in Maine and they were like, can you come in to do this Niagara Falls thing? And I was like, ah, I don't know that I'll be able to. Like we'd had to carve it out of the schedule. And so then they did carve it out. And the last second they called and said, it's not happening. And I was like, oh, at all? And they're like, not happening. So, oh, okay. Right in our horse. Riding it on a horse in the middle of the way. I mean, it was so crazy. I'm so glad somebody stepped in and was like, guys, I think I think we're <laughs> jumping the shark here. This is a little bit too much. It did not feel at all like what Roy would have done either when I was being pitched it or told it. But I didn't have any any say in that at all. But I was so right. grateful that that they that they pivoted at the end. And I thought that that episode was a beautiful episode, and I loved how it ended. And sometimes people get locked into an idea and they think that's the best thing, and then. And then when, when they're forced to pivot on something, all of a sudden something even more beautiful comes out of it that you don't anticipate yeah. often. And I think that's a perfect example of, of, of an episode that turned out that way. Yeah. Well, it's so crazy because I think that bond of our early times, we got so close. Like, yeah. You know, even when you would leave for a while, we we may have jumped to you because we wanted somebody else to look at. But it was never like, (laughs) oh, that guy is back. Like you were always a part of the ensemble. I'm sure that has to do with how the show started and what we were born out of. I've always felt that way. I I couldn't agree more. It never, yeah. People's excitement was not nothing about like anything other than a new face to look at and talk to and be like, what have you been up to? But it was, but we did all bond, even for me, who was not in all of the episodes, but those early years, I remember so much just hanging out and playing video games and the trailers and yeah, I mean, but you know, a big part of that too is who was steering the ship of Steve, you know, he was most humble guy and here he was by the time we shot the pilot and by the time it aired that second season, one of the biggest movie stars around at that on the moment. planet. That's and, right. And he was still the same guy, humble, down to earth, excited about the same things creatively, would listen to you, would you know, it was just like and that's the st- he's still that guy today. I mean, I remember I just ran into him not just, but like right before COVID, we were in the parking lot. We talked for like an hour. Like, and it was just like, like no time had passed between the last time right. I saw him and then. And I've been in a lot of shows with a lot of people and people as famous as he is. And that is not always the case at all. He's a special human. And um, I always say he's my favorite actor I've ever worked with and been around. Yeah. Because as talented as, as he is, he's just that nice as a human being. Yeah. Basically every single person that I've talked to over the last couple of years have said exactly the same thing kind of just doesn't get any better in terms of his talent or just his decency as a person had a tremendous impact on not just the show, but all of us individually. And it's hard to, it's hard to put that into words with other shows and people have asked and I, I can't put my finger on it other than just being a professional, always showing up on time, doing his job and always making everyone's day better. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. He always showed up. He always worked as hard as he possibly could and was working harder than anyone else and was still decent and kind to everyone that he interacted with forever. And, you know, he taught me a really important lesson. Him and, I mean, it's like name drop central, but Robin Williams as well. This sort of mantra of it takes just as much energy to be nice than it does to be an ass. I mean, it's kind of as as simple as that. 
do your job and do it excellently. And at the same time, be kind to everyone around you. Yeah. <laughs> Seems so simple, but it, it isn't always the case, you know? I know. So after the office, you've been busy continuing to work hard and return to some drama. I want to just for a few minutes, because this is selfish. I loved your performance and the show Mayor of Easttown. So congratulations on that show. How was that Thank to you. work on for you? Just as lovely as you could imagine. Kate is as great as Steve is. Kate's equal part as a human being and as an actress. She's just so down to earth and so great. Yeah. All of those things, you know, I just said about Steve, just take them and dump them right on over to Kate. The thing that was great from talking about background and all that stuff that Jenna was doing with her character from the get-go, you know, we had to do all that stuff with our characters because we had 20 plus years of a relationship and a lot of stuff that had gone down that we had to know and had to figure out. And so, you know, that was our rehearsal. That's all we did. We got together and we just talked with her and I and, uh, and Jean Smart and, and Gallery with the writer and the director and just flushing out all of that history because you have to have yes. that history to play that subtext. And if you, if we're not both thinking about the same thing, when she's saying our grandson is blinking again, if we both don't know that's the same thing that our son did, if you don't have that history. You don't, you can't play that moment. Uh, so yeah, we got to do all of that stuff. And uh, it was a crazy experience just in the sense of, we had to get shut down for COVID for six months and then come oh, back. Right. And then I, I had more hair at the beginning of the season than I did at the end, but we shot it all together. <laughs> and, you know, it was like stuff like that where you're like, God, this took a lot longer than anyone anticipated. Um, right. Kate was so, so specific about detail and, uh, you know, like she would do these things and it's like most people wouldn't, you know, wouldn't appreciate it. But as an actor, I'm watching her and I'm just going, Oh my God, I can't believe she's, she's doing that. And it hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like a recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like... Thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. all behavior stuff like she grabs a cheese it and she puts the cheese yeah. whiz on and i remember and i just watched her in the moment when we did the rehearsal she goes i gotta have i need like like what's that uh, cheese spread stuff like i need that i want to put it like on a cheese it or something and they were like uh, okay let's find some cheese whiz and and it i mean she must have done 20 takes of that pouring it on and eating it they never saw her eat it like it cuts right before and i was like no she 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 almost puked that day just to get that bit and you didn't even use it <laughs> her mind worked you know in such creative ways of, of really digging into that character and she spent a lot of time with 
you know, detectives and, and being in that area, I, I got to uh, listen to accents of people in that region. And it was an amazing experience. It was great. It was all the stuff you hope it would be when you sign on to do one of those. Yeah. You talked about behavior because we've talked about that quite a bit, that character behavior was so much a basis of, of what the office was. And I think it's really about the characters and those behaviors and not painting the quote unquote bad guys as bad guys or the idiots as just idiots, that there's a complexity and a depth to the character that is so vitally important. I, I think I, I agree with that sentiment about The Office. I Absolutely. I just love that type of comedy too that's grounded in reality but makes you so uncomfortable that <laughs> you... You have to you have to laugh, or some people can't take it. I have friends that'll be like, I can't watch that stuff. It's just too. It's so uncomfortable when he when he says those things, and <laughs> I just eat that up. But it's it's grounded in reality yeah. and behavior, and it's about also character development, and obviously a huge journey and arc with Roy. But so much of the work that you have done over the years that. That attention to detail and character is there throughout. And I admire you so much as an actor and, you know, want you to know how our, even if you don't fully remember our Honda car ride, those early days and the time that we shared and getting to watch you work was always such a pleasure for me. So thank you, David, so much for your work and, and for, for joining us today. I appreciate you so much. Well, right back at you. I've always been a fan and I'm excited for you to be Doing these deep dives, I mean, like, it's crazy uh, how long this thing has lasted. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. I'm grateful for it. It's crazy. It is. I'll close by asking you then, why do you think that this show is bigger now than it ever was when we were shooting? Oh, boy. I mean, I would just go back to something Steve said when we first started doing it. And he was like, this is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. We have to let people find the show. If we try to make it like what's already out there, then it's not going to work. We have to do our own thing with it. They had done office comedies before and they'll do them again in the future. But ours was unique at the time. You know, reality TV was had been in our, on our, our universe so that we could use that format that I don't think anyone had really used that format that I think that's, that's unique about it. And, and frankly, because you have streaming, no one is going to try to do this right now because why would you, if you right. could just go watch the office, you're not going to try to do the same thing. So I think right. this is going to last. It's going to continue to last. I think. And, and so many people go back to this, like a uh, comfort food. It's like me putting on sports center. <laughs> like, I, just, I listen to that and I can just relax. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> awesome thank you david so much thanks for coming on no problem brother good to see you again david you're the best i enjoyed that so much you are an actor's actor and i for one am fascinated by you and all of the characters you have created with such intelligence, depth, and sincerity. So thank you so much. And for talking all about Roy, who I dare say is one of the most overlooked characters on The Office. Thank you for joining me, my friend. It was indeed my pleasure. Uh, the rest of you, well, I'll see you soon for new episodes in the Brian Baumgartner podcast machine. Is that a thing? I don't know. 
But anyway, I'll see you next week for another episode of The Office Deep Dive. Until then, be very, very well, my friends. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Lang Lee. Our producers are Emily Carr and Diego Tapia, and our intern is Hannah Harris. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Attention, we need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And, and break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Elizabeth, you're the co-host of that new podcast, Ridiculous Crime. Why, yes, I am. You know what's ridiculous? Yeah, carpeting in kitchens and bathrooms. Oh, wow, you are good. But you know what's also ridiculous? A 16-year-old who breaks into a car dealership and steals Guy Fieri's Lamborghini. What? Yes, to impress a girl. I'll tell you all about it on Ridiculous Crime, our podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heist, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free. And 100% ridiculous. Listen to Ridiculous Crime on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is the professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. 
Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 